Welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast, a show about discovering the true human potential. Let's dive deep into physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. The best thing about the breakthrough sessions is when my client's entire physiology changes. Their voice changes, even the way they talk about things is completely different than it was before the session. Their entire life has changed in front of my eyes. The spark they had as a child is back. And what's so beautiful is that they are the exact client I need right now. Because whatever they release, I release too. I learn so much about myself every session, and the client releases a seed that connects all the problems in their life. The client is realigned in their mind, body, and spirit. That's the breakthrough session. So go to mountainmindtricks.com and sign up for a discovery session so we can chat, learn more about each other, and see if you're a good fit for a breakthrough session. Go to mountainmindtricks.com. When you listen to the Sacred Ancestry podcast, you're supporting wildland firefighters and their mental health journey. So thank you, and I appreciate you. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast so I can become the best podcaster I can be. You can become a Patreon, which means donating $10 a month will get you two free rollers of essential oils or $50 a month, and that's one free coaching session per month. So I want you to subscribe and leave a review so I can become the best podcaster possible. Thank you, and I appreciate you. I'm so excited for my guest today. Her name's Cheryl Ilove, and she's a Feldenkrais practitioner. And we're going to get into what that means and, and what she's been doing with clients. And um, we're going to talk about alternative healing and her journey. And I'm just so excited because she's a, such a wonderful person. So Cheryl, can you introduce yourself and, and kind of let us know like your journey, how you got into the practice that you're doing and, and what you're doing now? Okay, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. And uh, boy, it's been a long journey. And I guess I'll try and start from the beginning. Um, I'm actually from a small steel town in Western Pennsylvania, which is why I moved to Denver, Colorado, as soon as I finished my undergraduate training, which was in a field called respiratory therapy. So I was in the medical profession and I was working, you know, in the hospitals, intensive care units, emergency room, everything from pediatrics to geriatrics. And, you know, it was a really great career. Everything was going along just fine until all of a sudden it was like at work, I was noticing some twinges in my low back and it was just uncomfortable. And I tried to ignore it thinking it would just go away. And then it got a little bit worse and a little worse. So I tried treating it myself with stretching and hot packs and make a long story short in a matter of just a few months, that twinge in my low back cycled down to a full blown chronic pain syndrome. So in the matter of just a few months time, I went from being a healthy, vibrant, active young woman to being a chronic pain patient. And for two and a half years, I lived that life. And of course, being trained in the Western medicine you know, um, structure. I did everything I was told. I went to all the doctor's appointments, the physical therapy appointments. I took all the medications they gave me, which were a lot and did all the stretches and exercises that the physical therapists gave me. But instead of getting better, I kept getting worse. 
And after two and a half years of living with incapacitating pain, where I could barely function, and it was so hard even to go to work, I had to cut back on my hours. And even when I did go to work, I would have to try and take just a little bit of pain medication just so I could get through an eight-hour shift. And that was before the days of 12-hour shifts, which would have been impossible. But of course, you can't medicate yourself if you're taking care of patients who are on life support equipment. That's really not a good thing. So I would just suffer through it. And it wasn't until one of my doctors actually told me that I would never be able to do my grocery shopping and my laundry all in the same day because the arthritis in my spine was so severe, I would end up being bedridden. And I just looked at her and I said, you don't understand. I'm planning on going back to ballet class. And she laughed in my face and said, you don't understand. This is your new normal. You will never have the life you had before or the life that you wanted. And then she said to start applying for disability because I was going to need it. And I mean, I was just absolutely shocked. And it was like in that few moments in time, she absolutely just took away my hope, shattered my dreams and destroyed my spirit. And what else would there be to live for? This isn't what I signed up for. I went home and I hit rock bottom and it took me a few days, but I finally woke up and said to myself, you need to figure this out on your own. These people are not helping you. They think they are, but they're not. And it's up to me to figure out how to heal myself. So what I did was pretty dramatic. I fired all my healthcare providers, much to their chagrin. And I stopped taking all the medication. And I stopped doing the exercises and the stretches because they weren't helping me. And so I knew that there was some other path and I had to figure it out for myself. So what I did is I went back to the basics of how we learned to move when we were children, when we were babies. Nobody told us to strengthen our biceps and to put a hand here and hand there. And so that's how you roll over. We figured it out for ourselves. It was natural. It was organic. And we learned how to move just by exploring um, our environment, exploring our body. And basically that's how we learned. So I went right down to the basics. I started doing, I knew quite a bit of Pilates already at that time, having been a dancer. So I took a lot of the Pilates mat exercises and dissected them, took them apart and just would do little bits and pieces of those exercises and really pay attention to how I felt when I was moving. I would go very slowly and I would realize, okay, this is what's making my pain worse. This is what's giving me some relief. And I did add acupuncture and that's the only thing I did, you know, just the self-exploration of movement and the acupuncture to help take away some of the inflammation and calm down my nervous system. And it was a very tedious process, I, I will admit it. But in about eight or nine months, I was out of pain. I was overweight and out of shape and very stiff, but at least I didn't have any pain. So I knew I was on the right track. And just about the time that I got out of pain, I was accepted to the physical therapy program at Colorado University. So it was right after that, I actually started my PT training and earned my master's degree just uh, three months shy of my 40th birthday. And that basically is what started me on this whole path of self-healing and self-discovery and alternative health, because it was a lot of the alternative health 
and healing that really helped me, not only just the acu or the acupuncture, but just doing the Pilates, which can be a very therapeutic type of modality if you're doing it for that, you know, in that way, in a rehab type of uh, mindset. And then it took me to explore other movement modalities, such as Feldenkrais. Wow, that is so amazing. I I, I want to ask you a few more questions about your your journey here, because I'm so interested in when you were in the medical field and as a nurse, I think if that's correct, um, correct me if I'm wrong, please. Um, but you were in kind of in this uh, hospital setting at work and in that Western medicine mindset and in like the way you explained that person in the hospital saying you will never, like, I really want to yeah. go back to that because I had the same exact experience of, um, Basically, I got in a really bad snowboarding accident and um, yeah. I already was already having some back problems and it just like amplified it times a million. And I went mm -hmm. to this uh, chiropractor I didn't know at all. I've, I love chiropractors, but I was like, I'm in a, like an emergency right now. I need to go. And um, this chiropractor was like, well, I'm going to take an x-ray. And it's just like, I already knew that I was like, a oh, I okay let's do it. Um, and when he came back, he's like, you need to get back surgery now. And I was just like, <gasps> I, I let him adjust me. And then I was like, I'm out of here. I don't trust people that think that way. Um, and, and it was a long journey of acupuncture of supplements, but eventually I actually did fix my back. I have zero back pain now, which is like insane. Mm -hmm. So um, I just want to tell that story because what I really want to ask you about is like that moment when that person like crushed you. I think that's like yeah. that never is such a common thing that happens in the medical field, isn't it? It really is. And, you know, it's very interesting because I had been planning even at the before my back got so bad, I had been looking at going into physical therapy um, for myself, you know, in, into physical therapy school. And so everybody knew that that was my goal. And when she was telling me this about, you know, what a wreck I was and a train wreck, she uh, said, oh, forget about physical therapy school. She says, because, you know, you can't do it. It's so physical. She says, you're just too broken. And even if you could, you're just too old. And I was 36 at the time. And that's why when I did end up going to PT school and graduating, you know, just three months shy of my 40th birthday. And then a few years later down the road, once I started my martial arts training, and that was about 20 years, maybe 25 after my back pain. And I remember one time thinking of this woman and I thought, you know what? That was kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. She was absolutely correct. I can't do my grocery shopping and my laundry all in the same day because I would get up at least three, sometimes four times a week, and I would take a professional level hour and a half ballet class. And then I would change my clothes, drive a clock across town and take an hour and 15 minute martial arts class. <laughs> so it's like, I'm too busy to do my grocery shopping and my laundry all in the same day. And I thought about that woman and I uh, you know, how dare you say something like that to another human being? How dare you put that kind of a label on somebody and those kind of limitations? 
And that really just actually even influenced me so much in how I worked with my clients in my private practice. Notice I say clients, not patients, because there is a difference. Because a lot of my clients were in the same boat I had been in, that they were told by the experts, by other professionals, that they would always be in pain, that they had to learn how to live with it, and they had to learn how to adapt and uh, just be able to compensate because that was going to be their life. So I got a lot of people in my office who were, quote unquote, you know, the hopeless cases, just like I was. And it was beautiful to watch these people be able to learn about their bodies, how they move, how it functions, and to be in control of their body rather than their body in control of them, or to be, they are their expert. They can be their own personal authority rather than having to go to somebody else for help to say, what do I do? And then when you have that kind of knowledge and understanding of yourself and how you move, then when you do have to consult with a medical expert, be it um, Western medicine or alternative health, you actually have information that you can share with them that will help them direct you where you need to go. So it's very empowering. That is so amazing. And and uh, I think that was uh, my experience as well is just like, I'm going to take this on myself because I just, I had that mentality of, you know, I think actually I had some like real baggage from doctors and I have no idea where that came from, but it was just like the white mm-hmm. coats, like, I get ang- anxious about or around doctors, like getting a physical is like, no way. Like, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I need to explore that and release that, but that's, um, that's really interesting. And, and so I, 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 re- I just resonate to your story so much and just thank you so much. I'm getting excited with you sharing this like amazing mm-hmm. healing journey. Um, and I, I want to ask you more about the, the Felden uh, Christ practitioner uh, world and, and to my understanding, I don't know much about it, but it sounds like it's more neuroplasticity, working with subconscious, those kinds of things. Could you fill us in? Sure, I would love to. Feldenkrais is just the bomb. It's an amazing movement modality, and it's basically a very highly sophisticated form of neuromuscular reeducation based on the scientific principle of neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity is just a fancy name for um, that our nervous system, our brain and our nervous system is capable of changing and learning new patterns, interrupting habitual patterns that might not be serving us so well and introducing new patterns um, of moving, sensing, feeling and thinking during the entire course of our lifetime. And the thing about it that's so amazing is when I was in physical therapy school and I graduated in 96, so it wasn't that long ago, but in all of our neurology classes, we were taught that this incredible miracle of nature, this neuroplasticity disappears at the age of 14. And that's Uh, so ridiculous. Yeah, Yeah, right. You know, and then now fast forward about 20 years later, you know, the um, medical profession and the scientific uh, community finally realized, ah, this neuroplasticity exists during the entire course of your lifetime. Well, of course it does. And the funny thing is Feldenkrais, and it's an unfortunate name because it it sounds a little woo-woo, 
and it's very difficult, I will tell you, to market Feldenkrais because everybody looks at you funny. But the man who developed this system of movement, his name is or was Moshe Feldenkrais. And he based this entire system on the nervous system, how the nervous system works and takes in new information. It's more like a system of learning, but he was able to tap into this principle of neuroplasticity in the 1930s. And here it is, it took you know the medical and the scientific community over a hundred years to figure out, oh yeah, neuroplasticity really does exist past the age of 14. So it's really kind of crazy. Yeah, and and uh, I'm actually reading the Biology of Belief right now from Bruce, Bruce Lipton, and and it's so interesting how he's talking about kind of this resistance he was facing and still faces in the medical community and the biology community of of bringing in quantum physics into normal mm. science, and it's like if there is quantum physics in the medical field, if there is even some sort of acknowledgement that quantum physics was real, which we all know that quantum physics is, is about as proven as you can get with a theory. Like there's a lot of um, truth to it in, in uh, scientific evidence. It's just mind blowing that the academic community is so anti everything. If it's not a book that was written 40 years ago, then it's not real. And uh, I, I think it just, it plays so much to what me and you both went through in the medical system of just like, these people are crazy. Like they're crazy. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, why are you so narrow-minded? But here's, this is kind of a funny story um, that when I decided finally I was in so much pain, I had to do something else. I had to do, try something different. And I was driving to work and I'm a respiratory therapist, not a nurse, but it's uh, we specialize in the cardiopulmonary system. Um, so I was driving to work, this main road, you know, to the hospital that I was working at at the time. And I was in, it was 6.30 in the morning and I was already in so much pain. I didn't know how I was going to get through an eight hour shift. And I would always drive past this building and it was an acupuncture clinic. It was chiropractic and acupuncture. And I drove by it that morning. And I mean, I I was crying. I was in so much pain. I was crying and on my way to work. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to call this place as soon as it opens. So I was really nervous and I did call them and I made an appointment for right after work. So I was nervous, of course, because, you know, I mean, I was Western medical mindset and that's how I was trained. And so I was driving to the clinic and there I still had my scrubs on. And in that hospital, all of we were color coded, you know, by the scrubs. So everybody would know just by looking at us what department we were from. And so the respiratory therapy department wore bright green scrubs. So I pulled up in front of his office and parked my car and there was that big main street. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I really should have some kind of disguise or maybe a trench coat or a a hat and, you know, glasses with a fake mustache. I didn't want anybody to recognize me because they would know right away I was a respiratory therapist going into this alternative healthcare clinic. And oh my gosh, what would they think of, of me? But it was so amazing. Just after a few treatments, I felt so much better. Wow. You know, that's so, so interesting because I think my experience with acupuncture was, I was in a, I was in a really dark place of anxiety and chronic pain. I had, I had systemic inflammation that was like across my entire body from, uh, uh, anxiety basically. And, um, Mm -hmm. the first time I went to acupuncture was 
Like I, when I walked in there, I truly thought like, I I'm dying. Like I've got like six weeks, like yeah. do something, please. That's kind of where I was at. And Oh my God, my, my acupuncturist saved my life. I truly believe that. And, and he did so much other, uh, I would say shamanic type work with me that really shifted me. Uh, those were the bigger shifts I would say was like the energy work that went along with the needles. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, wow. It's just such a beautiful modality and it's so, um, important to me because it, it's, it's so beautiful. It really does heal the body and your mind and your spirit. And it's really kind of this holistic way of looking at things. I love it. Electromagnetic frequencies or EMFs are affecting your body right now. The World Health Organization reports that EMFs can cause headaches, anxiety, depression, nausea, fatigue, loss of libido, and sleep disturbances. What if you could protect yourself from the EMF fogs and the 5G rollouts? I've been trying products from Essential Vibes and I noticed a huge difference. The live blood tests show that your blood flow increases with less globules. You sleep better, have more balance, and the muscle testing proves this. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection to learn more. I was so impressed with these products, I had to add this to my natural wellness program. So check out Essential Vibes and go to mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. That's mountainmindtricks.com slash EMF protection. I have to tell you, my experience was much different um, than yours with the acupuncture because he was very matter of fact. He was, um, you know, Chinese medicine, but he was also a chiropractor and he was very matter of fact and blah, blah, blah. And he was sticking this, well, I'll never forget it, sticking a needle deep into my joint capsule in my hip. And he started like, I call it like the twizzle stick. And he started like, you know, going back and forth, like he was stirring something in my hip. And I was just going, I'm not going to faint. I'm not going to faint. And he says, oh, you'd be surprised how many people do. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't be because this is really torture. But that was my first experience. But he did get me out of a lot of pain. And I was very grateful for him. But it was probably about a year later, I found another guy who was like the kind that you just described. You walked into his office and you were just like, oh, I'm better already. And, you know, he even explained to me, he says, I always, always address people's stress levels. And I'm like, stress, stress. Why? I'm not stressed. And of course, my hair's standing on end. You know, I was already in PT school. And he says, no, of course, you don't have any stress. So he was like that very shamanic and did a lot of shiatsu, which is magic. If any of the listeners have never tried shiatsu, that's a fantastic treatment uh, as well. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, so I would love to hear more about, about the, the work that you're doing with, uh, with the modality you work in. And, and it sounds so interesting of interrupting old patterns, building new patterns, but, you know, cause I'm coming from the NLP world. So it's like, well, yeah, we do that in NLP, but to do that with your body, like that sounds amazing. And so, uh, just interesting. You know, there's the body testing, there's all those kinds of things I'm familiar with. I want to hear more about this. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. As a matter of fact, this morning I was uh, lying on the floor and doing some Feldenkrais because especially with this past year that we've had, you know, it, it, the stress levels are so high and it took me a while to realize I need to get back to Feldenkrais. I hadn't been doing it that much for myself. So I got on the floor and I did what is called an awareness through movement lesson. Uh, also called ATM for short. 
And the awareness through movement lessons are actually full movement lessons that usually last about 30 to 45 minutes. And Moshe Feldenkrais himself developed probably over 2,500 specific lessons that had, you know, a specific like beginning, an arc of the lesson and an end that he wanted to um, be able to facilitate certain changes in the nervous system. However, he never predicted what the change would be because everybody experiences things the way they experience them. So it's not a right or wrong, good or bad, better or worse type of scenario, which is what for me was incredibly liberating. Um, There was no right or wrong, good or bad, better or worse, just opportunities to learn. So you get take away all of the judgment. You take away all of the expectations. Most of the lessons, especially as an early practitioner or if you just start experiencing the method for the first time, uh, most of them are done lying down, lying on the floor. And the floor is an amazing tool to help you find find yourself and to let go of unnecessary muscle tension and to learn how to be able to breathe and kind of like release yourself into the floor. And just by doing that, then your nervous system is able to learn new things. Because as you know, just with the experience of, you know, anxiety and stress and a high intense job that that puts you into your sympathetic nervous system, which is fight or flight and fight or flight. It's a great autonomic response because it keeps us safe. It wards us of danger. And then once we're away from the danger, it's supposed to turn off and we go back into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is more about digestion and breathing and, you know, softer muscles. But unfortunately, when we're under so much stress all the time, we pretty much live in that sympathetic nervous system state. And that is so detrimental to our health and well-being. So with Feldenkrais, it helps get you out of the sympathetic nervous system into your parasympathetic state and to be able to learn new ways of moving. And it could be as simple as lie on your back with your knees bent and just very, very gently start to bring both knees like side to side, very gently, very softly, and very slowly. So we move very slowly. We move very gently. We move in comfortable ranges of motion. We make sure that we are comfortable. For example, if you're lying on on the floor and your neck is strained, you might need a pad under your head to make yourself comfortable. If you're lying on the floor and it's too warm in the room or it's too cold, your nervous system is going to be paying attention to the discomfort rather than opportunities to learn. The way that we're wired is so miraculous and the body really wants to be in a state of calm and peace and homeostasis. And our modern world just takes us out of there. Yeah, so true. And, and wow, that sounds so, uh, it's almost like a modern version of Qigong and yoga kind of mixed in with like, that's just what what my mind goes to is like, oh, that sounds like Qigong. Like that sounds amazing of really moving slowly, working with your breath. And uh, I love this idea. That's so powerful. And, and that's, I could see how healing that is to really 
especially like you said, the um, I always get these mixed up. So if I say it wrong, please correct me. But like the That's okay. the, sympath- the sympathetic nervous system is like that fight or flight, right? Um, yes, yes. And and so as a firefighter, like I know that I know like I would come home after six months of fire and be totally locked on full throttle. That uh, you know just a fight or flight one hundred percent. And it's like no, I'm home. And that was like you know to realize that, oh, you're, you're locked on where you need to go back to, um, you know, the more calm, the relaxation, like turning, turning that nervous system from an 11 all the way down back to like a two, you know? And, uh, it's, it's so, it's so healing to really dive into that. I think it's so important. You know, I didn't even realize it until, after, you know, I had left the field of respiratory therapy and started doing the PT and stuff that that would happen to me a lot. And I didn't realize it because of course, you know, you just did your job, right? And nobody said, Hey, this might really impact the way, you know, your stress levels or, you know, emotionally, when you start, you see some things that are really heartbreaking and really tragic when you're working in the emergency room and the critical care units and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I would come home and I would just kind of like just shake and it's like, Oh my God, you know, I can't believe that I saw this. And just to try and calm down from that was really, really hard. And here it is. Oh, I left the field in 1994. But even now to this day, there's a lot of patients that I still remember in a lot of situations. I remember their names. I remember their faces. I remember the situations that we were in. It really had that much of an impact on me. And I didn't realize how much it was affecting me still. Uh, until I was going through the Feldenkrais training and realized, wow, that was an awful lot to take on. And, you know, to try and be able to let it go and move on and just kind of learn how to move in a way that when you're comfortable in your body, then you're comfortable in your mind and you're comfortable in your spirit. And that was a long time coming because it was really interesting too. in doing the training was actually a four year long training And what we would do is we would meet for two weeks straight every three months for four years. So as we were learning the method, we were experiencing it ourselves in our own bodies. And as you probably know from NLP and a lot of the things that you've done, as you're going through some of that, you know, stuff comes flying out of you. You know, and a lot of people would get very, very angry or they would just cry and not be able to stop crying. And, you know, I hate to deal with emotions. I just, I don't do emotions very well, but I would laugh. And it was like, I felt like a child again. I felt like I did when I was little and I would be playing with my sisters and my cousins um, and, and just everything was fun and, you know, explorative. It just took me back to a place of, of, comfort, I guess. I don't know. It's really hard to explain. And everybody is different when they go through it. But uh, it's an amazing, uh, amazing modality and amazing treatment. And so that is actually the awareness through movement end of it. Uh, The other aspect is something called functional integration, which is a one-on-one where the practitioner is actually working one-on-one with a client and very gently moving the client you know, in different movement patterns based on what they're seeing um, in the person's body. But it's not that that the practitioner is treating the client. It's almost as if these two nervous systems are coming together and communicating in a nonverbal way. 
And it's, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's almost like if you've ever picked up a sleeping baby, you know, you don't just grab the kid and pick it up. You know, you slide your hands underneath it very gently, very softly. So you don't jar them awake. You don't jar their nervous system. And in a very gentle way, you're able to then lift them and hold them without even waking them up. So as they're sleeping, they even know subconsciously that they are being loved. They're being cared for. They're being held. And it's that same level of communication non-verbally and touch between the practitioner and the client. And it's almost just as therapeutic for the practitioner as, as it is for the client. It's, it's amazing. Wow. You know, that's so interesting because, um, yeah, I think when I'm working with clients and doing NLP and, and the mental emotional release work, it's like sometimes their beliefs come out, you know, because we work with a lot of limiting beliefs, negative emotions, and, and sometimes like mm. the client's greater problem is like, oh, I had that too. And now it's gone. Thank mm. you so much. It's so powerful. So I can see how um, the way you're describing these two nervous systems blending, it's um, very similar to what I do. I just use words instead of movement, I think. So and, mm -hmm. and the acupuncturist uses needles. Um, it's, it's taken me a long time to realize that a lot of the alternative stuff is really the same thing. It's just like a different approach for a different style of person, I think. And it's just so beautiful. I love it. Um, Absolutely. And, and <laughs> that, that, that's what's so exciting is there are so many different modalities out there to pick from because what works for one person might not work for somebody else, but there's so much out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, what's so, I, I guess I wanted to ask you too, if, if you work with um, like Louise Hayes's kind of theology or affirmations about emotions in the body, is that coming up at all with your work that you're doing with clients? I really don't. Um, you know, once again, emotions in me, we don't really, you know, like, oh gosh, no, go talk to somebody else about emotions. Um, but uh, it's so funny because I recently interviewed somebody who does um, Enneagram. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I've heard and of it. She I'm not did a sure. lot of it's something with nine points and it's according to her very powerful um, and, and it was fascinating to, to listen to her talk about it. But it's basically, again, it's the same thing uh, approaching the nervous system and the neuroplasticity from a different standpoint. Uh, but she was talking about Louise Hayes and she does a lot of that. Um, what I usually just tell people is be careful what you tell yourself. Uh, watch your self-talk because you don't want to um, denigrate yourself, even in, in jest, you'd never want to do that. Uh, because when you do that, your nervous system is listening and it's always taking it in. It's not judging if it's true or false or accurate information. It's like a computer. It just takes in everything it hears. And eventually, if you hear the same uh, message over and over and over again, eventually you will believe it because it's changing the neural pathways in your brain which is why you don't want to be around negative people because that negativity is going to impact you and eventually it will turn you into more of a negative person. So it's really, really important to be careful what you tell yourself. So that's basically with the positive affirmations, you are changing the neural pathways in your brain in a good way. Yeah. So powerful. And it's so interesting. You, you um, spoke about self-talk and I was so blown away in my NLP uh, trainings where they start talking about how the subconscious mind doesn't process negatives or negations. So like mm. a not or can't or don't, when we say those words, we're like, oh, I don't really want that. 
well, your subconscious mind doesn't process that. So what you're saying to yourself is, I want this. So if we take out that don't or can't, it's like, I want this. You're telling yourself, like, that's why people end up getting the things that they don't want, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. But when we change our language, now we're on a whole different ballgame of like, you know, this is exactly what I want and being super specific. I love that. And, and, uh, the, I wanted to shift a little bit, if that's okay, if you're ready, um, is I want to ask you about your martial arts, because I think that plays into, um, you know, you mentioned ballet, you mentioned martial arts, like the, the, pra- the practice that you do, it's, it's all body movement. And I think that's, um, so interesting. I want to hear more about how the martial arts is, is tied into this or what you've gained throughout your martial arts. Cause, cause martial arts is, is probably one of the most powerful practices in the world. To me, it's so internal, right? Oh, it really is. I mean, and it's just such a mind, you know, mind, body, spirit, soul type of, of connection. And it's a very long story, but I began my training in, it's called Nimpo Taijutsu, the art of the ninja. So it's an ancient Japanese martial art based on the art of the ninja and the samurai, but more heavily um, on the ninja. And uh, I started my training at 47 and it was actually the acupuncture. I just started with a new acupuncturist who had his clinic right next to his martial arts dojo. And that's how I got started in it. It was actually the first time he ever put needles in my legs. He got a very far away look on his face and he said, you know, with your legs and my coaching, I could teach you how to kill with these things. And I thought, oh my God, (laughs) who thinks like this, let alone says it out loud. And I just politely declined. And of course there I was pinned to the table. I couldn't even grab my purse and run. Um, But he was a great acupuncturist, a fantastic shiatsu. So I stuck with him and it took him three years to try and, you know, badger me to get me on the mat. And finally, after three years, he he wore me down and I said, okay, I'm going to take a few classes just to prove to you how much I'm going to hate it. And then I'm going to quit. Well, that's not what happened. Um, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the art. I fell in love with the training and I really fell in love with the sense of empowerment that I, that I gained even from that first class. And just to be clear, I was terrified. I was the only woman. I had just come from ballet class and there I was a middle-aged princess surrounded by all these men. And it was a very uncomfortable situation, but even though I was terrified and so out of my element, something touched me deep in my soul. There was something that I realized there's something to this. And I wouldn't be even able to articulate at the time what it was, but there was something about it that just really spoke to me. And even though, again, I was terrified, I just kept going back to class. And eventually I was having the time of my life and just started rising up through the ranks. And 10 years later, I became my teacher's first female black belt. In 20 years of teaching, he had never had a female gain that high of a rank. And since then, he's only had one other since then. Wow. That is like, congratulations. That's so amazing. I love that story. Thank you. And what's so interesting is I feel like, um, you know, I, I guess one of the major impacts of my life that martial arts had on me was 
you know, when I was a teenager, I was uh, a total wreck. Like my parents went through this divorce. It was really ugly. Um, I Mm. went through some really hardcore drugs, uh, like really bad addiction stuff and ended up having a a near death experience. And after that, like the next day I started, I, I still don't know exactly like what gave me the idea or like I was so closed off, but I, I started reading a book about meditation or yoga or, or Buddhism. I, I just started reading all these books and I would say within a week or two of that event, I was like, mom, I got to go to do martial arts. Like I, I'm just so interested. I have to go do it. And I went to a Kung Fu, um, Kung Fu place and I just loved it. I just fell in love so much. And it gave me that kind of it got me back in my body. I think that was the most mm-hmm. important thing. And it just gave me my confidence back of like, I got stronger, I got healthier, I was eating well, um, along with all the meditation and stuff I was learning. It was like, whoa, this was like a whole different world for me. And that had such mm-hmm. a major impact that I truly think it changed my life forever. Um, you know, I can't say mm-hmm. I'm a long-term practitioner of, of, of anything like that, but Um, one of my favorite things about that time was our, our Sifu was super intense sometimes, or he was joking around all the time. You could never tell until you walked into class, you're like, Oh no. (laughs) Right. One of those. (laughs) And and one of the days he had us, um, doing the horse stance, which is kind of for people don't know, it's like kind of like a squat and a very defensive kind of, um, foundational stance in martial arts. I'm pretty sure they all have the horse stance or some variation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the class was, we're going to do horse stance for an hour. It was like, Oh "Oh my gosh. (laughs) And, and uh, so I, there was people falling over like 20 minutes out in, like it was really (laughs) hardcore. And the Sifu was just walking around, just smacking people's legs with a phone book to like move the (laughs) lactic acid. It was just like, this is totally insane but i loved it so much like it just it saved me for sure well there is nothing like the healing power of martial arts and that's one thing that mark my teacher would keep telling me for the three years that he kept trying to um, get me to train with him and full disclosure i was going through some ptsd at the time from a really traumatic experience that i had had and that's one of the reasons why he was really pushing to get me into to martial arts. But um, the, the, and he would even say that he would say there is an incredible healing power in martial arts. And I was just I'd roll my eyes and go, I no, I don't see it. And that's why after three years, it's like, OK, I've tried everything else. I'm desperate. I'll try this, but I know I'm going to hate it. And, you know, the rest is history. <laughs> Wow. I love it. Yeah. And I eventually turned to uh, Tai Chi as well, which was such an interesting art. I actually did that a lot more than the Kung Fu. I stuck with that for about three years, pretty Mm -hmm. solid. And the Tai Chi, I am just so blown away how deep, and I don't think I realized how deep the movements are. Like the, the movements are explaining the universe. It really is that freaking deep Mm -hmm. and it's such Mm -hmm. a interesting beautiful art as well i love the tai chi you know i can i tell you just a quick story about tai chi that just blew me away um it was probably about 2009 i think and i was working in a rehab center um it was like long-term rehab and a nursing home combined and i was doing that to help supplement my feldenkrais training because it was getting to be pretty expensive um and 
there was like this little open area, this quad in the center of the building outdoors is quite lovely. And there was a gentleman standing out there one day and one of the therapists had a chocolate lab puppy that she would bring to work. And this man was, you know, playing ball. He was throwing the tennis ball back and forth with this puppy and bending down. And, you know, they were having such a great time. And two of the therapists were looking at each other and smiling. And I said, oh, who is that man? You know, is he visiting one of the, um, you know, the patients? And they said, oh, no, he's a patient himself. And I said, oh, my gosh, look at him. He, he looks like in better shape than most of the staff. And they again looked at each other and smiled and they said, well, he actually admitted himself to the rehab center because he wanted to build up some strength because he was going to be celebrating his 100th birthday this summer and he wanted to be really strong for it. And I was like, whoa. And every morning when he woke up, you know, he would make his bed, he would you know, groom himself and he would go outside and he would do at least 20 minutes of Tai Chi. Do you have perfect health? Could you improve your sleep, immune system, or energy levels? What about muscle recovery or detoxing from the fire season? I've been using the essential oils for a few months now, and I've been getting perfect sleep. My immune system is top-notch, and I feel amazing. Essential oils are plant allies that support our bodies in a million different ways. OnGuard supports your immune system. Lemon helps you detox the heavy metals from the smoke. And the peppermint will release your head tension in seconds. Support your healing journey and go to mountainmindtricks.com slash essential-oils. Essential oils are hundreds of pounds of pure organic plant material pressed into a tiny amount of liquid, which means the essential oil is a powerful ally. So go to mountainmindtricks.com slash essential-oils. That's mountainmindtricks.com slash essential-oils. Wow. Every morning. So powerful. Yeah. It really is the longevity key is, is those internal arts. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, is there anything that I haven't asked you or an aspect of your story that you would like to tell that we haven't got into yet? Boy, I don't know. Um, I wrote a book and I did that in, it published in 2016, Forever Fit and Flexible, Feeling Fabulous at 50 and Beyond. And in that book, I tell my personal story, um, as well as some stories of uh, some of the clients that I've worked with along the way. And I also included like a little Forever Fit and Flexible program that that's in a book so people could start practicing and playing with movement exploration. And the, the program is based on the principles of dance, Pilates, martial arts, and Feldenkrais. And I'm currently working on my second book, which is my story. It's more like my memoir about um, my voyage, my journey into the wild and crazy world of men and martial arts and being the only woman there and becoming Mark's first female black belt. So that should be out um, probably, I think, by fall this year. So, um, you know, I have an online program. I work with clients online. I closed my physical office about three years ago and just recently launched a program where I work with people one-on-one online. So that's about it. And just doing my own podcast. Yeah. And doing yeah, my podcast it, as well. What, what's your podcast called again? It's, it's, uh, I, I don't want to say it wrong. So what is it again? It's called the Feminine Project and it's loosely based on my experience, um, 
you know, in martial arts, it's about um, overcoming obstacles, lifelong learning, finding your voice, standing your ground, alternative health and healing, living well and looking good. And I am so excited that you are going to be on my show. So really looking forward to having you. Oh, uh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. I'm super excited as well. And uh, so can you tell us like some of the results your clients usually get? Like what are some things you see in your practice um, rarely or what have you seen that's that's amazing in, in the clients that you work with? I think the amazing transformation that they make, most of, um, I think it's just because they now have the tools to be able to take care of themselves. Whereas, you know, they would go to other practitioners and the other practitioners would try and fix them or heal them. And I would tell my clients, I am not going to heal you. I'm not going to fix you. I'm going to give you the tools where you can fix yourself. And that is incredibly empowering to people. Plus, I would be able to give them hope and say, look, this is what happened to me. I know you can get out of this situation. So I think it's just the empowerment and the knowledge that they would get because I would be educating them the entire time, explaining what was happening to their bodies, what happens when you move certain ways. So it was just so wonderful to see them take their own power back. It was just very rewarding. Oh, wow. Yeah, the empowerment and just knowing... You know, I think some people don't know that they can do that, that they can heal themselves. And and I think a lot of society is closed off to the idea of, you know, our, our human body is perfectly capable of healing itself. It just needs the right ingredients or the recipe or the right mindset, really. And, and uh, it's so powerful to empower people like that. It's wonderful. So where, I, where, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, I was going to ask you, like, where can people find you and where can they get a hold of you and, and find your books and everything? So go ahead, uh, just going to my website, which is CherylILove.com and I-L-O-V. There's no E on the end of it. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, my book is on Amazon, but you could also access it through my website as well. And uh, to listen to my podcast, you can go to The Femininja Project. Com. Awesome. Awesome. And, and any, any final thoughts, anything you want to discuss further? Well, if I could just leave the listeners with just, I think the most important thing that I would have to be able to, to share with them is do not let anybody put a label on you. Don't let anybody put you in a box because once you hear that label, you end up being that label. So just give yourself positive messages, stay away from negative people, stay away from the naysayers, and just realize that your body is an incredible work of art. And our bodies have been designed to heal. And we have an incredible ability to heal as long as we give ourselves the right environment. So keep looking for whatever works for you because it is out there. Oh, I love that so much. Thank you for such a beautiful message and and so true. The the labels can be so harmful sometimes and and uh wow, what a what a show. I just want to say thank you and I appreciate your story. Appreciate everything you've brought to the audience today and I'm just in awe of you and your practice and what you do and and thank you. 
And uh, for everybody listening, please reach out to Cheryl. She sounds like an amazing practitioner that could truly change your life and find her books, um, check out her website. Uh, Yeah, just an amazing show. And, you know, whatever you think you are, you're so much more than that. And I hope today we really helped you look a little bit deeper to find your sacred ancestry, to find that light within yourself. We'll see you on the next one.